What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode and a brand new season of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be discussing the Kyrie Irving situation, the Ben Simmons trade market, a few picks on who should be who you got to look out for this season and who's going to pre- who I think is going to underperform uh, a quick MVP and rookie dark horse ladder. And later Tom Scavetta will join the show to talk bucks and the East. But first things first, we have merch. Our official review and preview merch is here and has launched today. Head over to our bonfire account to get your RNP sweatshirt T-shirt, coffee mug, and so much more. And you can also, as you see on the bottom, follow the 3 and D on Twitter at the 3 and D to stay updated with breaking news around the leagues and news on episodes and uploads. We got a few comments just to just to start. Um, the return of the 3 and D. Thanks, Nick. Great to be back. Great to be back. We got Dom that intro. You know, um, I want to give a big shout out. To Dom, big help on the intro. Fantastic job. And Tom, let's go. All right. First things first, first thing we got to jump into is the Kyrie Irving situation. Now, everybody know, all NBA fans know basically what's going on with this entire situation. Obviously, Kyrie continues to hold out as with the whole vaccine mandates in New York going on and whether they're mandatory for players and no one really knows the specifics on where he stands on this, but obviously the nets are planning on playing without him, at least for home games. And this obviously um, is big backlash to a lot of fans, big backlash to the nets in general too. you know, most of the, the rest of the team is ready to go. Kyrie might not be able to play the home games, but Kyrie will not back down. That's the bottom line. And now we don't know for sure if he's vaccinated or not, but again, doesn't make a difference. His silence indicates um, where he stands. Andrew Wiggins was pretty much in the same boat too. We saw um, 
for the Golden State Warriors, he in San Francisco, they had very similar rules uh, in place, and he decided to cave in and uh, to and get it. So he, so people are hoping that he follows in Wiggins' footsteps. Um, but what does this mean for Brooklyn? Um, I this this can mean a lot of things, and in my personal opinion, I think the team's still going to be very dominant. I think that he will be back at some point this season. Um, I personally don't see this lasting extremely long. I don't think that the whole Kyrie. I don't. I don't think that you know the whole holdout is going to last forever. I think that a, I mean a duo of Kevin Durant, and James Harden will be able to hold it down regardless. Uh, without any injuries, they'll they'll stay at the top of the East. Time be and he might end up getting some time off. I mean, he'll be able to play in the way games where he's able to, um, without vaccine mandates, but he won't be able to play home games for the Nets for the time being, and he wouldn't be able to play in California. Um, that's really the only restrictions he's allowed to practice with the team. That that news came out, um, they deemed the Brooklyn Nets practice facility as a small business so they're allowed to make up their own rules basically and so they're allowing Kyrie to practice at the Nets practice facility but he won't be allowed to play at the Barclays Center so that's where Kyrie stands at the situation obviously we're a week away from uh the season tipping off and no one really knows for sure what to predict with especially with Kyrie so it's so very difficult it's going to be very interesting to see got a few more comments too Andy, what's up? He's back. What's up, Paul? How's it going? How's it going, Andy? Uh, check out Andy over at the Brew Party. Fantastic podcast. Henry and Dictor, what's good? Another review and preview guy. Knicks will be back. The Knicks will be back. Won't be talking much Knicks in this episode, but Knicks are going to be more, more to come uh, in the future episodes. And review and preview. Check out the link right there for our bonfire account. Um, check out our brand new merch. We got to brand new stuff. We got long sleeve shirts. We got t-shirts. We got sweatshirts. We got coffee mugs. We got everything. So anybody, anybody who's interested, you asked and you shall receive. So go check it out on the three and D's page. So continuing on the Kyrie Irving situation, um, the, the nets are in a very difficult situation with this. Obviously they're playing on knots having him for the time being but again this can be something that could be resolved at any moment so you know i if i were the fans i wouldn't read extremely too much into it i really don't think that it's like it's going to be some crazy thing that's going to last a while he might miss some games he misses some games anyway um we saw last season when he missed a month for you know reasons unknown so We'll see. We'll see where that goes. But jumping over from Kyrie, we got to talk about Ben Simmons too. The Ben Simmons trade rumors. I mean, that's the talk of the league right now. Ben, so ben Simmons has been holding out, and he continues to hold out as he seeks a trade from the Sixers um, after last year's debacle in the playoffs where his offensive game completely imploded. The fans hated him. They ended up getting eliminated, and he feels like it's almost – it's almost irreconcilable there the differences between him and the organization but you know we had we've had so much talk about him never playing again for the Sixers but the news came out today that uh his agent Rich Paul and the Sixers are currently 
discussing a possible negotiation for him to rejoin the team. I guess they figure that a trade is not likely and Simmons doesn't want to miss a good chunk of the season, which I am not very surprised about. I don't see a trade being very highly likely anytime soon, but because mainly because the Sixers are still demanding three first round picks plus more, which is a steep price to pay, especially with the season about to tip off. If you were, if they were demanding that, um, at the beginning of the off season, they might've been able to get something, but with the season just about to begin, nobody is looking to trade that kind of the, everybody is somewhat all right with the team that they have right now, at least for the time being, see how the first few weeks of the season goes, but the Blazers and Timberwolves were two teams that I thought were really interesting um, coming around the trade rumors. Uh, if, but if I'm Minnesota, I would trade one or two first round first rounders and they do have Ricky Rubio and Torian Prince. Those are two veterans that the Sixers definitely might want uh, in exchange for Simmons. I would trade one or two first round picks and Rubio or Prince for uh, Ben Simmons. I wouldn't trade anything more than that. If I was Minnesota, I and I feel like that's probably the most that anybody really has to offer and really is capable of offering. Uh, and as far as the Blazers go, the Blazers should trade nothing more than a first rounder or two. Can't involve Dame Lillard, can't involve CJ McCollum, can't involve Nurk. Nobody part of their core. Um, it's just it would just not be worth it. Like there's there's no reason for it. Um, I could see. That's that's the difficult part that's balancing it. Ben Simmons is, pay, is playing a lot. A lot of teams are not very interested in him and are very worried about his future as an off on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, a rebuilding team like the Minnesota Timberwolves might uh, end up could end up pulling the trigger. But I don't think that a team like the Blazers or you know some of those other powerhouses that people have talked about will really be in the market, especially with the amount that they're all that they're demanding. Cause this, you know, the Sixers are going to demand Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum or one of those guys. And it's just, you would just never do that. So I, I don't see that happening. And so as far as the Ben Simmons trade rumors go, I think that honestly, those are going to die down soon too. I think now with what came out today, there could be a good chance that he rejoins the Sixers uh, I don't know if he'll be ready by opening night, which is next week, since he hasn't been with the team since the summer. Uh, it might take him some weeks to to get back. He'll probably end up missing at least a few weeks, but if he rejoins the team, but he, I could see him ending up playing as a uh, um as a Philadelphia 76er for sure this season. I would not be surprised. So jumping from the Kyrie situation and the Ben Simmons trade rumors. Um, we're going to go over a couple of my shockers and a couple of my letdowns, I think that are going to, that are interesting ones to watch out for this season. Like two teams that I think will shock two teams that I think will let down. Well, first up the shockers we'll go over first up. I think the Indiana Pacers, Rick Carlisle is their new head coach just took over, uh, was, obviously their head coach back in the early 2000s. I think that they're going to get right back on the map. Um, I think that they're going to be dominant this year. I think that last year was a bit of a letdown, but they got they got a nice starting five of Turner, Sabonis, Lamb, Levert, and Brogdon. 
Uh, they re-signed TJ McConnell, and the I'm huge fan of their draft too. They drafted Isaiah Jackson, the big man from Kentucky, and Chris Duarte, who was who's a guard from Oregon. Uh, two guys who I think can be impact players right off the bat. And also with Miles Turner and the possibility of trading him, I think that Isaiah Jackson playing behind Miles Turner for a little bit could be great, especially if they look to trade him in the future and uh, look to go with Jackson as their future big man, a cheaper option that is. And I think Duarte can add some scoring off the bench. You know, you still have Justin Holiday. Uh, they traded Aaron Holiday, but you got TJ McConnell back who had the best season of his career last year coming off the bench for the Pacers. Uh, it's turned into a great backup point guard. So I think that I think the Pacers are going to be a team to watch out for. They were a big letdown last season. I really highly anticipate them making some noise this year and, and having a bounce back. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be uh, a top three or top four team in the East, but they're going to be right up there. I think that they're going to be they're going to be much better coached too. Rick Carlisle is going is you know he has a lot of unfinished business with that Pacers squad, especially uh, Netflix just released the uh, Malice at the Palace documentary. Any NBA fan, you got to go check that out. That was fantastic. You really get a good feel of how that 2000s Pacers team were was how close they were, and Rick Carlisle was their head coach at the time too, and now he's back with the Pacers. So my second team for my shockers, I think it's the Charlotte Hornets. I think the Hornets are going to be a bit of a, are going to be a bit of a powerhouse this year. They're not going to be amazing, but they're going to give a lot of teams fits and they're going to be starting to head in the, in the right direction. I think Mason Plumlee, the additions of Mason Plumlee and Kelly Oubre were big. I think those were two very swept under the rug, good signings this off season. And I really think that, um, they're going to be two guys that really lead the way and help rejuvenate this uh, young Charlotte team. When the healthy Gordon Hayward will always be a plus. You know, you got Miles Bridges, you got PJ Washington, Lamelo Ball, Terry Rozier, a bunch of young guys who have played great and look like a solid young core, but are going to need some veteran leadership. And I think that that's what those guys will bring. And I also like their draft class too. The Pacers I liked a lot. I also like the Hornets draft class a lot. They drafted James Booknight, who is a scoring guard from UConn, plus arguably the best scorer in this year's draft, in my opinion. I think that he might be the best all-around scorer in this year's draft. Uh, he was He's a fantastic pickup. Kai Jones, big man from Texas, good rim protector, shot blocker, back-to-the-basket kind of scorer. JT Thor, good 3-and-D type of guy, name of the show, uh, from Auburn. Young guy, he kind of rose up depth charts, uh, rose up draft charts pretty late, but he was a big prospect, didn't have an amazing freshman year, but can be a little bit of a project. I think he'll play a bunch in the G League this year for Greensboro and kind of go back and forth from Charlotte and Greensboro, but he's got some potential to be good. And Scotty Lewis, too, from Florida. They took him with the 58th pick. He's on a two-way contract this year, and I really think that he is going to be – uh, one of those glue kind of guys. He's a tremendous defensive player. He doesn't have much of an offensive game. That was the big reason why he wasn't a first-round pick. He was a five-star recruit for, at Florida, um, never really developed an offensive game, so he kind of fell in the draft boards for that reason. But if he can develop any type of offensive game, the ceiling is very high for him. 
and even if he doesn't, he can become a he might be able to make a name for himself in the league as a bench defensive option. So those are my two shockers. Now, I think that there's going to be some other interesting teams, but those are two teams I want to look out for. Charlotte, I think, I really think that the Pacers are going to be a uh, top five, top six team in the East. Charlotte still probably is going to be a play-in team, uh, in my opinion, but I think that they're going to – it might not reflect in the record. It might not reflect in the standings, but I think that they're going to start making some noise and they're going to start um, getting looked at as a much better team. James Borrego is doing a good job there. They finally they have their franchise player with Lamella Ball, at least it seems, and I think that – they're going to start heading in the right direction this year. That's a team to watch out for. They're going to pick off some good teams. They're going to play some good teams tough. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to those two. And then that brings us to the letdowns. Now, the letdowns, there's two teams that come to mind that I really think are going to take big steps back this year. The first one is the Denver Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are playing in a tough West. They play in a tough Northwest Conference, Northwest Division. And I think that no Jamal Murray is going to be huge. I mean, we're talking about an, an, a Western Conference that is run by dominant backcourts. And when you have a backcourt of Will Barton, Facundo Capazzo, um, and, you know, the, the core that the Nuggets have without Jamal Murray, it, it hurts. It definitely hurts. And I know Michael Porter Jr. is kind of developing into a great player. They gave him that big extension. Uh, Nikola Jokic is your reigning MVP. But those are two big men right there. I think that their guards might hold them back a bit. I, I do like Will Barden, but for him to be, to, you know, go up against the, some of those tough backcourts, even in, in their own division with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in Portland, even in Minnesota with uh, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, uh, Ricky Rubio coming off the bench. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy for Denver to be able to compete with those very difficult backcourts. And without Jamal Murray, he's probably going to miss. He there's a good chance he misses the entire season. Uh, he tore his ACL very late last year, and at the very least, he would come back at the very end of the season. They, it might be too late by then. But I think that that's a team that's going to take a step back. This year, you know, there's only so much Jokic and uh, Michael Porter Jr. can do. So I I don't anticipate them doing a ton in a tough Western Conference. And then the other team going back to the East is the Boston Celtics. The Celtics had a letdown of a season last year. Uh, they had a crazy offseason where they traded Kemba Walker away. Brad Stevens went, Danny Ainge retired. Brad Stevens went from head coach to general manager. They hired Ime Udoka former NBA player and assistant as their new head coach. Um, and they still hold on to their core, mainly besides Kemba Walker. They still have Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams will step in as their big man. But I feel like they, they're in a tough division now. You know, you got the presence of the Brooklyn Nets, which is going to be great even without Kyrie for a period of time. You got the Knicks who emerged as a, as a team to be reckoned with last season. They only got better this offseason. You got the Philadelphia 76ers who are good without Ben Simmons and with Ben Simmons have the potential to be great. And the, even the Toronto Raptors, who I think probably will be last in that division, but they still have some pieces that can give you fits. They got still got Pascal Siakam. They still got Fred Van Vliet. Uh, they still have OG and Anubi. 
Uh, they just drafted Scotty Barnes too, who I think is going to be a great pro. So it's going to be a tough division, and the Celtic can find themselves falling back very quickly if they get into a rut like they did last season. And they they're a high chance that they're going to be one of my letdowns. I think that the East, we've we've been making fun of the East for so long as being such like such low quality and the West being the real powerhouse in the NBA. But this tide is slowly starting to turn, in my opinion. I think the East, there's a, there's be starting to become a lot more genuinely good teams. Uh, the West is kind of like heavy loaded in the front with the Lakers and the Suns and the Clippers and all of them. But uh, the, the amount of good teams in the West isn't as deep as the amount of good teams in the East. There's a lot of good teams in the East. And that's going to come to prove it this year, I really think. There's, it's going to be tough. So I think that the Celtics might end up taking a step backwards. It might be very difficult for them to um to really step to really, you know, step forward and um be able to compete with some of these other great teams. And we got Alec Walt here. Alec, what's up? Celtics will be better this year. The ball movement, defense, and transition game is way better. I like it. I respect the opinion. Um, you know, I I don't see it as of now, but I, I'm very interested to see how it's going to go. I know that the whole Kemba Walker experiment kind of blew up in their face. I'm very excited for him to be with the Knicks. I think that – I think it's going to be an interesting year for the Celtics. I think it can go one of two ways. If things really click, it can go very well. And if it doesn't, they might be a letdown. Like, um, like I put them on the list and it's not just my Knicks bias. I, I do, I do think that the Celtics might be taking a step back this year, but we'll, but it's early. We'll wait and see season hasn't even tipped off yet, but those are my two teams that I would look out for as possibly taking a step back this year. So jumping over from those, we're going to already talk about the MVP race. I know that's, um, season begins next week, but got to talk about a couple of names that might hoist up their first MVP trophy this year. We got uh, first on the list is Luka Doncic. The Mavs have been at the top of the West for the last couple of years. Uh, they re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr. Luka has put up back-to-back amazing seasons now, and I think if the, the Mavs somehow steal a top four, Seed in the West, Luca is going to be high in that discussion for MVP. That's a guy to look out for. Trey Young is another one to look out for. Uh, we all saw his miraculous play in the playoffs. He had a tremendous season last year, and the Atlanta Hawks are on the grid now. I'll tell you what, everybody kind of slept on the Hawks last year. You know, they were, uh, they they were not. They kind of underperformed for a while. Fired a head coach, then they got hot in the. In the playoffs, made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. That put them on the grid, and people are really going to pay attention to the to the Atlanta Hawks this year. I'm telling you, they're not going to be slept on anymore. And Trey Young is right in the middle of that. Trey Young is going to give a lot of teams fits. And if the Hawks end up becoming the top of the East, that's a real MVP candidate. And Julius Randle is going to be the one. Julius Randle, I think. A tremendous season last year was by far the MVP of the Knicks. The Knicks had a ridiculous season, uh, overperformed on everything, and they have an even better team this year. I think the ball movement is going to be better. They have three-point shooters now, and I think Julius Randle will 
be able to put up identical stats, possibly even better, uh, in my personal opinion. I think that Julius Randle, and I think that if they somehow were to sneak into a top three or top four seed in the East, which I personally don't think is going to happen, um, I think that they're going, because of how deep the East is, I think that Julius, if they were to somehow do that again, then Julius Randle's got to be in the MVP conversation. So that's why he's a dark horse. But personally, I, th- I have the Knicks actually finishing seventh. That's how deep I think the East is this year. I think that the Knicks might have to play in one of the play-in games, even though they are, even though they have a better team than last year. I think that they're going to have a worse seed than last year because I think the East is going to be a lot better this year because you're going to have a resurgence of the of the Pacers. You're going to have a bunch of different new teams that uh, are going to are going to be tough and you're going to have a lot of, a lot of good young cores too starting to build in the east so i like it i like um the way that the east is going to be very competitive so those are a few of the mvp dark horses and then let's let's take a look at some of the rookies before before we uh bring in tom scavetta to talk bucks We'll go over a few of the rookies. So here's some of the rookies that I think are in the best situations this year. Not necessarily the rookies that I think are going to have the best seasons, but I think in the best situations might have the optimal opportunities to have the best seasons. And the first one is Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy was drafted sixth overall out of Australia by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the Thunder are completely rebuilding. They have a team full of just young guys. Derek Favors is by far their veteran. And Josh Giddy is going to get every opportunity to be the starting point guard right off the bat, with Shai Gilgis Alexander probably playing the two or the three this season. Um, their point guard depth chart right now is Josh Giddy, Theo Maladone, who was a rookie last year, and Trey Mann, who they also drafted in the first round this year. So two first round draft picks are on their point guard depth chart. So that's why so Giddy could be the opening night uh starting point guard for the Thunder. We have we have no idea he's but he's gonna get every opportunity. We saw how how much playing time that the rookies got last year. Maladone got so much playing time, but became a starter. Alexei Pokashevsky got so much playing time and became a starter. So the Thunder, you really got to watch out for their rookies. They might put up numbers. And then Cade Cunningham is going to be another one, obviously. First overall pick by Detroit. He, right off the bat, will immediately be looked at as the top option alongside Jeremy Grant with for this Pistons team. Uh, I, I think that they expect a lot of big things about him. This Pistons team is completely rebuilding. They're starting to get better. And Kate Cunningham is, they're hoping, is going to be the cornerstone of their franchise for years to come. And I think right off the bat, they're going to let him do his thing. I think he's going to be starting from opening night. And they might even pair him up alongside Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes had a decent rookie season last year, was injured for a good portion of it, but he was their first round pick last year. He's also a point guard, but they, I think they're going to try to figure out how to play the two of them together uh, in the backcourt. Probably Kate Cunningham being the primary point guard, primary ball handler, and Killian Hayes being more of a two guard. But Cade is going to be possibly in the best situation, and deservingly so. And then the third one would be Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green, um, he was the second overall pick by the Rockets. Absolutely shined in the summer league this year. I was a became a big fan of him. I watched him. I watched almost every game 
that he played in um, in the G League la- uh, last year. And he just he looks like an NBA player, even at 18 years old, he did. And I think that he's going to right off the bat be an impactful player uh, alongside Kevin Porter Jr. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be really good this year. But I, I think that he and Kevin Porter Jr. are going to be the two top scoring options for them because the Rockets are completely rebuilding. They're deep in a rebuild and they're going to they're going to roll with their rookies. I think that Jalen Green probably starts from day one, and he may not ever come out of the starting lineup. Uh, I think that that Green is hopefully going to be the Rockets' face of their franchise. He's going to replace James Harden. Big shoes to fill, but um, I have I have high hopes for Jalen Green. I really do. And Alec Walt, Sadiq Bay is a stud. Absolutely agree. Sadiq Bay is great. I love what the Pistons are building. I think that they're going to have – a great team in the next handful of years. Isaiah Stewart is also a stud. I think Jeremy Grant had a tremendous year. Cade Cunningham is amazing. Luca Garza, uh, I think, will be a serviceable NBA bench player. Obviously, he was a stud in college, but I think that he's got tremendous size. He can shoot. He's very slow, but I think he could be a decent bench player. Um, they've they've got some pieces. They definitely got some pieces. They got some good young pieces, and they're starting to head in that direction. So I'm definitely excited to see what the what the Pistons are going to be up to. They're one of my young teams that I think I'm most excited for. I I also like what the Rockets are doing. Uh, the way the Rockets are headed. So that's basically my three rookies who I think are in the best situations, likely to put up the best numbers in their rookie years. Those might. Might very well be your final three for rookie of the year. Um, I like Josh Giddy. He played great in Australia. Um, he is a lengthy point guard, can do a little bit of everything, and the Thunder are going to definitely be able to optimize him pretty well. You know, they love their young talent, and he's going to get as many opportunities as he can his rookie year to make his rookie mistakes, but also show how much he can shine and show how much NBA potential he truly has. So jumping from that, we're going to bring on Tom Scavetta now, host of Review and Preview, and diehard Milwaukee Bucks fan. Tom, how are we doing? What's going on, Paul? The champs have entered the studio here. I'm very excited to chop this up with you tonight. Season premiere of the 3 and D year two. Paul, thank you so much for having me. Of course, Tom, of course. Had to get you on for the first one. We ended the show last year. Before season at the end of season one, before the Bucks won the championship, so didn't get to talk to you fully uh, about them hoisting up their first trophy since the seventies. So, thoughts, opinions on last season overall, and you know, what are your feelings going into this year? Giannis is a supreme basketball player, and I think he is going to continue to cement his legacy in the NBA. Uh, we saw how badly he wanted this championship, and the Bucks earned it. You know, regardless of what was in front of them, they accomplished a mission. They were down in their final three series of the playoffs, and we saw that either Giannis or Middleton could take over a game. And the biggest difference from previous years to this year that really lifted Milwaukee over the top was a more reliable bench and a true point guard that could score the basketball and play defense in Drew Holiday, a massive upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. So right then and there, those factors alone really 
proved to be the reason why the Bucks were able to be victorious in the NBA Finals, going against the much younger Phoenix Suns team, despite Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. They were relatively young. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, not much playoff experience. And the Bucks experience showed from losing in previous years. And Giannis Antetokounmpo absolutely went off in the series playing through an injury. And that proves to be why he's the best player on the planet right now, all-around player. And I think this Bucks team is going to be a legit franchise for years to come. And shout out to Coach Mike Budenholzer. People were calling for his head, calling for him to get fired. I know you and I talked about Coach Bud. And the fact that he has an NBA title under his resume now really speaks for itself to how good of a coach he truly is. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it all last season on this show that that Bud is a tremendous head coach and he probably needed to go far in the playoffs to keep his job because a lot of people were calling for it. A lot of people were, you know, um, on the bandwagon of firing him. I didn't completely understand why. I thought thought that he did a great job, but it showed. Uh, he's an NBA he's an NBA champion now, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's going to be a Milwaukee Buck for a long time. But that the entire Bucks run last year was fantastic, and you know Giannis is the best player in the NBA, and I've uh, been on record saying that for a while, and he. Will be records saying it again. He's the best player in the NBA. He was last season. He is again going into this season. You can't debate it, in my opinion. The way he carried that team, he, you know, wasn't interested in leaving in free agency either. He re-ups with the uh the buck before the season. Some people thought that it was stupid. Some people were like, Oh, you're never gonna win a championship in Milwaukee. Why not go, you know, join a big three, something like that? And you know. Proved everybody wrong. That's what you love to see. And that's what a real champion does. That's what real stars do. And I I love to see it. I loved everything about it. You know, a lot of people were saying that when the Lakers got eliminated and when there was no Clippers and when uh all the and when the Nets got eliminated that the uh NBA that last year's NBA uh playoffs were boring. I thought it was the most entertaining NBA playoffs in a long time. And I think most real diehard basketball fans thought the same thing. It was very refreshing to see some of the young talent be able to start to make a name for the sell for themselves. Uh, a new champion finally see Giannis win a ring. It was fantastic seeing that that Phoenix Suns team make it all the way to the NBA Finals, even though they lost. I think the ceiling is really high for them, and uh, Chris Paul resigning it was big. I think that they're going to be they, they they have a good shot of being right back at it again next year but this offseason the bucks kind of re redesigned their bench a little bit as every big team does uh they added rodney hood george hill semi ojale and they trade for grayson allen they trade sam merrill pj tucker left in free agency to the miami heat um their big three of course is still intact with Giannis, chris and drew and Brooke Lopez still there. So what are your thoughts on the new design team and some of the key bench players heading into this year? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the good point before, right? Um, Giannis or Middleton never left for a super team, and that's why all these players around the league want to come in as free agents and play for Milwaukee. I mean, you know, you mentioned they continue to upgrade their bench year by year because of how Coach Bud handles his roster, how he handles his team. 
Thanasis wanted to come back as well. That was a huge addition to this basketball team. We pretty much re- replaced P.J. Tucker with a younger player in Semi Ojale. Um, yep. I also really like bringing George Hill back because the backup point guard position was a concern, especially after Dante DiVincenzo went down because we traded away DJ Augustine during the season. So the Bucks were kind of left with DiVincenzo, who was a starter in the backcourt, to kind of play that backup point guard role when Drew Holiday was off the floor. Once he went down, the Bucks were stuck with Jeff Teague and Sam Merrill, who was towards the end of the bench. He was pretty much the last guy, right? And you're kind of left with Jeff Teague, who played with Coach Bud in Milwaukee. But now you mentioned guys like Rodney Hood. I mean, they love their Duke players. They went out and they got three they former do. Duke players this offseason. And um, I love the trade for Grayson Allen because he's going to bring – I think the Bucks are missing a scorer off the bench that can pretty much be the go-to guy when he's on the floor. I mean, last year you look at the bench. Who was really the go-to scorer? Bobby Portis? Yeah. Um, you know, Basically Bobby Portis, yeah. And now you have a more – explosive bench with Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, George Hill is back. Pat Connaughton is a good shooting wing who has some athleticism in his game. Um, And then Rodney Hood is another guy too. And then we can't forget about the rookie that they developed last year in Jordan Nwora, second round pick, who is probably going to see an uptick in minutes, had a really good preseason opener for the Bucs. And I'm really excited to see the competition between Allen and DiVincenzo for that starting two guard spot um both players are entering their fourth year in the nba and they're both wings and they're both due for contract extension soon and the gm john horst has pretty much said he wants to extend both of those players so that's a good sign right then and there and i'm really excited to hear that but we have to see how the season plays out and if grayson allen will fit in because it's interesting right grayson allen is not highly coveted in milwaukee um Allen is starting to win over Wisconsin Badger fans because of what happened several years back in the final four. So it's good to see that he's getting some uh, Wisconsin people on his good side. Yeah, he's going to start getting some Wisconsin love this year, I think. I think he's going to play well for the Bucs. He's going to fit right in with the system. But that segues us right into the next question that I had for you. Um, does Grayson Allen have an opportunity to overlap Dante DiVincenzo as the starting shooting guard? You know, Dante could end up missing part of the beginning of the season. Pat Connaughton, you know, some some was seen as next in line to be the shooting guard. But Grayson Allen was, in my opinion, a huge pickup, and they gave up almost nothing for him. And he's a tri- all-around great player. He's a fantastic scorer, great shooter. He can do just a little bit of everything, especially on offense. And looking to re-sign him and re-sign DiVincenzo are two big moves. What do you think that an opportunity for Grayson Allen to possibly become the starter and DiVincenzo becomes his backup? I don't think it's likely long-term, only because DiVincenzo is really good with the pick and roll. I would prefer Allen to come off the bench. Now to start the season, I noticed in the preseason games, Allen has been starting with Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, and Holiday. Uh, obviously, you want DiVincenzo's health to be very, um, you know, clean bill of health entering the season. He's more of an isolation type of player who, you know, kind of low-volume player who was, you know, his efficiency numbers point to him being better as a cutter, 
spot-up shooter and coming off handoffs. They're pretty much the same player, uh, if you think about it. There are differences in their games, but I think Allen is a little bit better on-ball shot creator, which could give him an advantage. And Allen also is a little – both players are very athletic. But who's better on the first step and dunking the ball? It's Grayson Allen, 100%. Oh, yeah, he's got more athleticism. I want Allen to come off the bench. I just I trust DiVincenzo a little bit more defensively because he made a couple game-winning plays for the Bucs last season. Um, you know, one of them in a very important game late in the regular season. And the Bucs missed him in the stretch, that down the stretch in the postseason. And I think you have to go with DiVincenzo once he's healthy. But to start the season, I would probably prefer to see Grace and Allen over Pat Connaughton in that role as the two guard. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited. That's really the only question in our starting lineup. Usually on a championship team, a guy or two leaves, right? Last couple of years, Kawhi Leonard yeah. left Toronto. Um, the Lakers, they lost a couple guys. And now the Bucks yeah. are bringing essentially all five of their starters back. We really only lost a couple of players, role players, who didn't even really play much anyway. Brent Forbes kind of fell off the map. So nobody really cares that he's gone, right? So yeah, exactly. that's how I feel. No, that's definitely a good point, and it's definitely true that the Bucs, probably more than many other uh, reigning NBA champions, are bringing everybody important back. That's the key, and um, I think that it's going to be interesting, and they honestly, they might have only upgraded, too. Bobby Portis re-signing was huge for them, honestly. I think Bobby Portis was a tremendous guy off the bench for them, and bringing him back was humongous. Um, great, The Grayson Allen pickup, I think, was great. And you add that to the already dynamic core, and I think that they're going to be really good. But it jumps over to our last question, too, about the Bucks heading into this season. Who in the East are you most worried about, and who do you think – can possibly surpass the Bucs as a possible one seed this upcoming season? Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn. For obvious reasons. Last year, they were the team that gave Milwaukee the most trouble in the playoffs. A lot of people argued that Brooklyn would have won the series if they were fully healthy, um, which is definitely a fair argument to make. Um, Despite their lack of depth in the front court, having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving healthy is going to be huge for that basketball team. Um, they, they're still very pedestrian on defense, I feel like. They don't have, in my opinion, um, I don't know who is going to be able to guard a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo um, in the paint again. And will Kyrie's head be in the game come playoff time. We've seen Kyrie has taken random sub- sabbaticals when he feels like it during the season, which is not what a real pro does, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but they're the team that scares me the most. I also think um, a team like Atlanta could come around if they continue to build behind Trey Young. Um, you know, they've, they, they've gotten better. We yeah. saw what their role players could do. And when the Bucks played them in the conference finals this year, the Hawks were missing DeAndre Hunter, who is a three and D type of player, right? Exactly. So that's one player. That's one team that I, I really think could knock them off. And then the third team, I guess you could throw in is Philadelphia. It all depends. I don't know what's going on with them and Ben Simmons, but um, they were good last year. I can't really think of anybody else. I know the East has gotten more competitive, but as far as who's on Milwaukee's level, it's Brooklyn. 
And then there's really nobody else on that cliff right now with Brooklyn, yeah. in my opinion. I I know your, your Knicks are a young, up-and-coming basketball team that has an opportunity to improve. Um, but I, I, th- I think their ceiling this year is winning a playoff series or competing in the I first agree. round of a playoff series. Yeah. I think that's their ceiling. I still think they're a few years away if things go well in that organization. Brooklyn's the team right now for me. I mean, it's hard, right? Yeah, oh, it's it's very hard, and I absolutely agree. I think the Knicks are still um, another playoff, uh, possibly a playoff series win or two is yep. the uh, definitely the ceiling for the Knicks this year. Um, I think with the, any Knicks fan would be more than happy with that. But I agree, the real it's really the Bucks and Nets at one and two, in whichever order you want to put them. Most people will put Nets one because uh, everybody's healthy. I mean, assuming Kyrie. You know, who who knows with the Kyrie situation and how long he'll be out. But if he's playing, most people will probably put Nets one. But it's Bucks and Nets at the top of the East. And then you can arrange anything in any other way that you want. But I absolutely agree. The, the Nets, if they're fully healthy, if they have a whole year together, they, it's going to be very difficult for the Bucks to beat them. That's why I thought it was so important for the Bucks to uh, capitalize on winning last year because they may not get an opportunity like that anytime again, anytime soon, because you got Brooklyn, who's got a ridiculous big three. You got the Lakers who are, you just continue to um, put ridiculous talent around LeBron. I don't want to hear any more LeBron fans saying that he, that he hasn't played with, uh, you know, a ton of all stars and it's only on him. You know, they just added Russell Westbrook too. It's the amount of talent he's played with is incredible. And the Lakers are going to be even that much better. The Clippers, if they're fully healthy, are going to be that much better. So you got all these super teams. That's why last year, when all these teams uh, were hurt or you know had a year off or something like that, that was that was the biggest opportunity for the Bucks to win a championship. And uh, I'm really glad that they that they capitalized on that opportunity because they may not get something like that again soon. This is my problem with outsiders looking in who aren't Bucks fan. And I, I do appreciate Hank's comment. Um, I like yeah. the Bucks chances as well. Um, I don't know for sure if they're going to. Oh, well, in the East. Um, yeah, I, I do as well. But here, here's my thing. People are kind of discrediting the Bucks championships because of all the injuries teams were facing. The Bucks were facing injuries of their own. And there, oh, there, was, there was no excuse i mean we were without our two guard we didn't have a backup point guard throughout the last three rounds of the playoffs jeff jeff teague is you know like 35 years old um that's not something i consider a quality backup point guard on a championship team drew holiday really was the glue piece that kept this team intact chris middleton picked up the scoring some nights when Giannis wasn't there people want to pick on Giannis for not making a free throw well he did it in the last game of the NBA Finals. And to go down 2 nothing, to go down 2 nothing, Paul, mm-hmm. twice in the playoffs and come back to win a series, I mean, it was pretty much routine. You just should expect the Bucs to drop the first game or two and then come back and win the series. It, it, it's yeah. pretty much as simple as that. Um, people aren't giving Milwaukee credit where credit is due, um, which is understandable because they're a lower market franchise. But now you have a star in Giannis. And this is the right way to build a championship team. You build it from the ground up. And I think that's why people respect Giannis a lot more than a player like LeBron James or like a Kevin Durant. 
that's why you see Steph Curry get a lot of respect. You know, players like yeah. that who stay with one team for at least majority of their career and don't like to hop from team to team uh, because, you know, you don't want your NBA lifespan to be like a movie, right? And, and so, some guys are going Hollywood and Giannis is not doing that. That's exactly it. That's why you got to respect that championship more than, you know, a lot of championships in the past. And that's, that's why I'll give all the credit to Steph Curry too. Um, I, I feel that exact same way. I think that, um, you know, the, the Bucks, their, their story last year of winning that championship was fantastic. You know, it was reminiscent of like that Pistons team that won in the mid two thousands with all those powerhouses going on. You know, it was a team that was built from the ground up that does, didn't need to rely on, you know, buying a bunch of guys and they were able to, you know, just develop correctly. And that was the way to do it. And I, I was beyond excited that they that they won and I'm hoping to see something very similar to that again this year but you never know with the Nets you know especially if they're you know back to uh full force with that big three and if the Lakers are clicking you never know but it's so that's well that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode I want to thank everyone who tuned into the review and preview network to watch another episode of the three and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the three and D Tom. Thank you so much for coming on the season premiere. You'll be on many more episodes. Is there anything else you want to add? Eight, eight days till ring day, eight days. That's facts. That's facts. Everybody tune in. I'm going to be tuning in. You guys got to tune in too. I can't wait to see that. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at the new time at 830. The 3 and D is back, everybody. College basketball, NBA, it's all back. Brand new, brand new episodes every Monday. Review and preview. Fantastic time. We're hyped. You're hyped. We're all excited. Have a great night, everyone.